Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Because uh, if, you, if you don't have it, you're wired all the time. And my point being is, is if you're constantly wired... Mm-hmm. How do you ever have any quality family time with your kids? You know, because guys like you and Brian and me, I mean, our phones ding nonstop, either an email or text message or a phone call. And there's so much of it that's not relevant or has to be answered today. Mm-hmm. But we're wired now in society that dings, you have to look at it. You, you just can't stand not to go, okay, well, who, you know, what's going on? Do I need to know this? And people panic about it. And so, the only one I had to do it is eliminate. You turn it off, mm-hmm. you know, and it's guys that, you know, you got guys that come to you with problems, you know, and it, whether it's a, a man or not, you know, they've got spiritual problems like, you know, guys deal with, you know, pornography, it's rampant, it's everywhere you go. Well, now, you know, you used to have to go somewhere to get it. Now you can get it on your phone. Yeah. And I'm, I just tell them, I said, it's pretty simple for me. Just turn your computer off. Well, my gosh, how do you leave your life without a computer? And I said, I don't have a computer at my home. Not right now. There's not one in my house. Me and my wife, neither one. Yeah. And... Because when I'm home, it's me and her, you know. And so I, I struggle with guys that struggle with things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you turn it off. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And if you can't not stay, if you can't not go it on your phone, then get rid of, you know, Wi-Fi and get rid of internet access. I mean, just use it for telephone. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't get it through the telephone. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, my point is then turn everything else off in your phone. Go to mm-hmm. go get you no flip phone. Yeah. You know, and so my point of it is, is if you want to stop, and quit, you have to eliminate what the temptation is. If yeah. you're an alcoholic and you keep going to the bar every night, you're probably going to stay an alcoholic. But if you don't go to the bar every night, you got a lot better chance of not drinking if it ain't readily hand- in deal. I mean, yeah. if you're a drug addict, you can't hang out at the crack house and think you're going to quit. So, you know, if that's an addiction, then eliminate what the problem is. And so, I, to me, it's just simple, but men have to make those decisions and be willing to live with the consequence of those decisions and stand by it. I mean, because if not, it's just chaos. So uh, I actually just started recording this, so we'll, we'll not, I'm going to just skip past all the intros. So this is the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, and it's uh, podcast number 34. And we have our guest today, Bob Hurley with Bob Hurley uh, Ford, Bob Hurley Buick GMC, Bob Hurley RV, Bob Hurley Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram. I think you got pretty much all the brand, or the major brands covered. And, uh, and also have uh, Brian Smith, the most in- interesting insurance agent in the country. America. In a, in, <laughs> <laughs> I never get that right. America, we use America. America. I, I think your voicemail says the country. Is it America? Oh, it will be changed immediately okay. if it doesn't if, say America. If it, is, if it does say that, I'm, I'm told, because I left you two voicemails today. But uh, anyway, man, uh, I, I had to start recording uh, because we were just, we were kind of doing a little bit of our pre-show and... Bob just got hot real quick, and uh, so I, I wanted to kind of dive into that. But first of all, Bob, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast. This is exciting for me. Uh, I don't know that I've 
had the opportunity to really kind of sit down with you and kind of hear your heart and, and your story. So I'm excited to dig into that. And then also we're, we're live here at uh, Brian's office uh, over on 61st Street, 61st and Sheridan. And uh, it's just a fantastic location. So it's a little bit livelier, but uh, I'm excited to be here. 67th and Sheridan. I'm, I'm only here today to correct every single thing Evan says. So I'm going to let Evan say something and then I'll just follow behind him and correct it. You know, the good news about that is, is the very beginning, whenever I'm talking about you, that's where I'll probably screw up on purpose. <laughs> yeah, then, I figured that you were <laughs> then from then on, calling see, me something it's else. It's all going to be perfect. That's yeah, all good. Well, let, let's get back into kind of uh, getting Bob uh, going here because I know he's already teed up and ready to go. Uh, the pre-show went amazing, uh, way better than I was even into. I had, Like I said, I had to reach over and hit the record button just because I mean, we got on a topic and he just he fired off. I think he's sandbagging a little bit. He said he's never done a podcast before, but he's acting like a pro. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. Bob, first of all, welcome. We're really excited to have you here. For our guests and our listeners that don't know who you are, give us a little bit of background of, of your story and who you are. I'm just a simple uh, Oklahoma guy. I've lived here my entire life other than the first year of it, but uh, um, started selling cars early, uh, right out of high school, and uh, met my wife right out of high school and got married. And... Uh, Started selling cars and, you know, fought with ambitions to go in and doing other things. And, you know, 30 years later, I'm still selling cars. So it's kind of a neat deal and, you know, still married to the love of my life. And so uh, I got lucky and found both things I have passion about her and the car business all at the same time. So how long have you been married, Bob? 34 years. I, I love that. Um, we told you before you came, our, our podcast is different than a lot. We, we want to talk business. We want to talk winning and, and passion. But something we also like to talk about is being Christ followers, being men of faith, being dads and husbands. And, and Evan and I are always looking, and I know the listeners are always looking for uh, dad examples. See, I didn't have a dad very long. And so what's cool for me, and, and we mentor Evan a lot of people in this group, and I find myself even at a, a ripe age of 37, which a lot of people think is young. I think, wow, I worked and started working so young and didn't have a lot of things that other people, I feel older sometimes at 37. I've been doing this so long. I, I want to know how, how 34 years, because a lot of people make light of that. That's a long time. And then are you a dad? Um, how many kids do you have? And I've got to believe just getting to know you the last about two years now that you're pretty good at those things. I know, I know you make mistakes, but you talk a lot about it when I have conversations with you, which leads me to believe that you practice the idea that being a good dad, being a good husband are important. Well, I think that it's the most important thing ever. I mean, you can't be a good father till you're a good husband. And I think that, you know, guys always tend to, you know, tell wives that they're supposed to be submissive to the husband because that's what the word says. But in Ephesians, you know, before that, it says a man should love a woman the way God loved the ch church, forsaking all things and everything else above her and seeing her without a wrinkle or a blemish. So my opinion is, is a, a woman will never have to be told to follow you if you put her on that type of pedestal and you treat her that way. And, you know, and understand that she's not perfect, but it's not your job to point out all her inefficiencies and, and to do that. It's your job to love her and to cherish her the way God loved the church, you know, and I think that once you become a good husband, and it's a full-time job, I mean, it's as hard a job to be a great husband as it is to be a great leader and a great businessman, and then along past that, you know, kids come in your life, and, you know, you have to mark that time for your kids and give them that same type of love, and to, 
um, pay attention. And I think as parents, sometimes we get so busy telling them what to do that we don't listen. And sometimes we can fix it if we just listen for a few seconds longer. You know, it probably doesn't have to be as big a deal as it is and just help them. And, you know, the other thing is I'm a big disciplinary guy. Everything in life starts with discipline and obedience. And, you know, I think being a good Christian and a good businessman is you have to be consistent, which takes discipline. And then you have to be obedient to what God's Word says, that when you do have those successes in your life, to be sure that uh, you give Him the honor and the glory and praise for those because you didn't do it by yourself. You know, your wife's your support mechanism and Christ's your support mechanism. And I think that we got to keep that in line, that it's God first, your family second, your business third. And it's um, it's not always easy, trust me. You know, when you're in the firing lines and things are going on, you can get your priorities out of, out of whack. So, you know, you got to check yourself on a daily basis to get those priorities back in line and to stay with it. So, you know, that's what I try to do. I don't know that I'm the greatest dad ever, but I don't think it was from a lack of effort or trying. Did you already said? Check yourself before you wreck yourself, Evan. I, Tell me you thought I, about that. I did, I did not. Run D, was that I Run did, DMC? I, I didn't hear that part. Is that Run DMC? I, 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 will, I will say that I would. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. We got the three hey, white, I, whitest guys in here well, talking about rap. Yeah, no, I qualify. One thing uh, that one thing that you did talk about, um, and I love how we got in the topic of family because and, and, and marriage because uh, this is actually something that I want to deep dive a little bit a uh, little bit more in some future future podcasts because. Uh, I know that especially for our listeners, as important as it is when you're getting started in your career and you're getting started with, with starting your family, how important having a good foundation in your marriage is. And I think a lot of times uh, we go into marriage and we go into these relationships with unrealistic expectations. And I've run into countless people that have kind of said the thing that I always thought was like in the movies. I didn't think it was... Like people actually thought this way until I, I literally heard the words coming out of people's mouth. But I thought he would change or I thought she would change when we got married. I thought that they would do this differently because now we're married. And I, I, I've been married for going on 13 years and we don't, we don't change it. It's almost like our guards go down a little bit when we get married and then like the true self is revealed. Well, you don't try as hard. You know, yeah. once she says yes, then you know, guys can get lax. And I think it's important to keep, uh, you know, romance in your marriage. And then also the wives, you know, once you get married, their guard kind of goes down. And then once they have kids, what's interesting in today's culture, and I don't think it's just today's culture, but it seems like when a woman has kids, her number one goal is to become a number one mom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great goal to have. But they still have to become, have to maintain being the number one wife and yeah. spouse. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that gets lost in that translation that they spend so much time being mom that they forgot that there's that responsibility on that other side. Uh, and I think it's the husband's you know job to help her because so much so much now um, men kind of leave it up to the wife to run the household and handle the kids and all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot to do. So you know I think that it, it's a fine balance. But uh, marriage is. It's sacred to me. It, it, it's uh, it's a situation where you know there's only two things that uh, God ordained in the Word, and that was the church and marriage. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, is that you know it really is till death do you part, and it's easy to quit, and you can always find somebody that's going to do the things better than your wife does. It bugs you, uh, but once you get there, then you're going to find out she does a lot of things less as well, you know, not as good as what your wife did, yeah. and so you're back at the same deal. 
you know, so it's just kind of those deals that we both have to keep trying and trying to get better. So, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I go to church and my pastor always talks about if you don't quit, you'll win. I've talked to a lot of guys that have got divorced and got remarried and I listen to them and they're kind of like, golly, if I knew now what I knew then, I might not have done it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, the wreck it had on my kids, the wreck it had on me and on her. And we're both remarried and we're both happy. But looking back on it, it wasn't anything we couldn't have fixed. Yeah. You know, and that's just sad to me. I've actually had a a friend of mine that kind of told me a little bit of a theory that he had about dating. And I thought it was intriguing. It's like when you're dating somebody, um, if, if you're just dating for the sport of dating, just to meet as many people as you can, you almost train yourself that if something doesn't go right, you have an easy out. You just break up. And then you get to this point of marriage, and that, that's been kind of the whole history of your entire relationship is when it's difficult, just get out and go, go on to the next thing. And, it's, and I don't know that there's an answer for it, but I, I was just very intrigued by his viewpoint on it because I think we've almost programmed, our, programmed ourselves that if there's a problem, that we just burn and turn and, and we, we go on to the next thing. And I, and I wish that when you have a relationship and when you, especially when you go into marriage, you go into it with a plan. Like you talk about to death do us part. You talk about when things are tough and, and getting through that part. It's when you're getting married, everything's great. Everything. I mean, you have a party, uh, you get dressed up as nice as you possibly can. You're everyone's there supporting you. And then after the, when they say the honeymoon's over, that's when I think reality sets in. And I think that's when people are almost getting uh, to the point where they may even revert back to that, well, it, we had a good run. Let's, let's, let's well, go to the next thing. I think there's two things that drive divorce in America. One, the unreali- unrealistic expectations is going to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, look at The Bachelorette and The Bachelor. Okay, every woman in America is going to fall in love with the that's ugliest, right. goofiest right. guy so on the planet Earth. You know, when you're on a volcanic rock in the middle of the deal and you're taking helicopter dinners and big yacht dinners and all that kind of stuff. But when you move back into reality and you're in your 2,000 square foot house driving your, you know, Ford Escape mm-hmm. and you're not on a yacht and a helicopter on a volcanic rock and it's not that romantic, all of a sudden all that changes. So it's unrealistic expectations that's going to be this perfect fairytale deal. It just doesn't happen very often. The other thing is, is parents wreck a ton of divorces because we live in a society where it's expect acceptable behavior for a 25 26 30 year old man or boy or girl or woman to live with their parents till they're 25 or 30 well it's not yeah. life's not designed to be that way our kids are passing through it's our job to raise our kids to a point where they can go and be self-sufficient and turn them over to god it's our job to raise them on earth to that age of accountability and then you hand them off to God and they have to go the rest of the way. So if a woman gets married to a guy and they get in a fight and he says a bunch of bad words or you know says that and she goes and tells her mom or dad, well, honey, just come on back home. You don't have to do that. It'll be all right. You can move right back in here and we'll take care of you. Well, that's not your job as a parent. Your job as a parent to go, hey, look, you made a commitment. You uh-huh. made a vow. It was an oath. And you need to go back and sit down with him and figure out how to do it. But so many parents intervene now and make it easy that, hey, it's okay to get out and quit. It's not okay to get out and quit. Now, you know, obviously there's situations to that. But trust me, if me and my wife would have had an out every time it was tough in the beginning, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be married today. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got, we met in August, engaged in November, married in February, and she graduated high school in May. Wow. Okay, so, and our first kid was born, you know, two and a half years later. So, you know, my point being is, I've, we've been, we've grown up together. 
And so it wasn't really optional for us. Neither one of us had any really any place to go other than to stay and gut it out. And I think that's a great testimony that if you don't quit, it'll work. You know, fast forward 34 years later, our kids are grown. They've both moved out. They're both self-sufficient. We're empty nesters and we're enjoying life. And it's a great time. There's victory at the end if you don't quit. Absolutely. I'm a big tough love guy, so like I was kind of saying amen when you were talking about they're just passing through. I'm hoping that mine do that too. But man, it's I, I feel like we're in this kind of world of participation trophies and and just uh, just making everything as comfortable as easy as possible. And and a lot of times we talk about on this podcast about the importance of becoming uncomfortable, pushing yourself beyond that. And if if your parents are creating that environment to where you're always comfortable, you're never going to push through that to the thing that's actually going to propel you to the next best thing. Well, and this is a perfect segue Evan um, and not even a really segue I want to I want to merge hard into what you just said talking about the, the environment we're living in Bob's talking about the easy way out lots of people think that things should just be given things should just be the way they are because it is for somebody else so I know a knucklehead that wrote a book I won't tell you who but you breakingconformity.com but I, I know a knucklehead that wrote a book and he caught a lot of fire for this. He said equal opportunity doesn't m- mean equal outcome. Mm-hmm. And I got hammered for that. Believe it or not, I got hammered for that statement. Everything from, well, you know, I, I took over my family business. So, you know, are you saying that I don't deserve it from like um, people that actually worked really hard and got their business, but people had a problem with this statement, but, but I think about it, equal opportunity doesn't mean equal outcome, and I think about Bob's history, we're talking about the family success, we're talking about the business success. I wanna ask you, Bob, when you hear the statement, equal opportunity doesn't mean equal outcome, what kind of comes to mind to you? Because I've heard your story, I, I don't think the dealership didn't open with a full inventory of cars, and your name on the sign, and, and then your bank account was just overloaded and not enough room for more money in it. So how do you approach this every day? Because I know you had to dig. Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, I get to hear about how hard people work. I work hard, you know. I, I can't work any harder than this. Just because you work hard doesn't mean you produce any results. I see a lot of people working hard but never produce any results from it. So whether they're not working smart or not, sometimes it's just not your deal. And I think that your phrase that you're talking about uh, you have to make the opportunities. I see a lot of people that have opportunities but never capitalize on them. So like you said, equal opportunity doesn't mean equal results uh, because I love the fact you brought up the participation trophy. I yeah. loved it when James Harris took the trophies back and gave him back uh, that was the uh, football player at the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and got you know creamed on social media because he was being mean to his kids because he made them take the trophies back and said, sometimes your best just isn't good enough. That means that sometimes you get beat by a better athlete, a better team, or a better business guy. Sometimes somebody out negotiates you to buy a deal and, and you miss it. Uh, so you have to learn how to take those defeats. And the, what you're talking about with kids is you're being set up that it's not important who wins or lose. That used to be a phrase when I was growing up, but it was always why it's not important who, you, how, who wins or loses, it's how you play the game. Well, yeah. it gets back to if you put forth your best effort and you still get beat, you don't deserve a trophy. You lost. Right. You're going to have some victories. You're going to have some losses, and you have to learn how to take those losses with that. So I think you're right. Equal opportunity does not equal 
you know, equal results. I mean, it's... You know, Evan, I, I get a little strong in here sometimes. I, you know what he said? People used to say it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. You know who thinks that? The loser. Well, there you go. The loser thinks that. <laughs> the winner doesn't think that. The winner thought they loved playing the game and they wanted to win. That's why they played. And I know that there's a lot of in-between on that, but it's what we're talking about here. When we raise these kids to think that it just show up, it's not even about the result of the game. It was about not quitting, too. So when you lost, did you quit? Did you stop playing? No. That's what I like to talk about. Season so, will be over after the first game. It's actually <laughs> I'm telling my boy Legend the other day. They, they <clears throat> whooped up on somebody one night, Monday night. Mm -hmm. Tuesday night, it, they got whooped. Mm -hmm. and, and my first question to him was, he's, well, Dad, you know, we tried our best. And I said, no, hold on. I'm not mad at you for losing. This is a eight and under coach pitch. I'm not mad at you. But did you ever quit? At what point? Because I know he did. See, my son was batting a thousand for two seasons all the way up until the other night, and he hit a ball, and he he swung halfway around. And I talk to him about this all the time. And he gets lucky sometimes, but he swung halfway around. And he got out at first. So I asked him again, Legend, did you quit? Did you quit on your team? And he said, Yeah, we were getting beat so bad that I just went up there and put put my bat out there because I wanted it to be over. I said, there's, there's, well, that's what I was looking for, dude. You guys didn't lose. You're not the only one that quit. Every single person on his team quit. Yeah. So I, I just love talking about pushing. Keep mm -hmm. pushing. I, I, and I'm very results-driven. Everyone knows that. But I'm also 1% more activity-driven. We cannot control our results. We can only control our activities. Mm -hmm. If we do the right activities, there's a real good chance those results will come our way. Um, I want to ask you, Bob, it's not often that you have someone with your history, your success that has worked for it in front of you. I, I sit down with plenty of people that it's it, as it's not the same way. They're successful and there's no question about it, but I don't always believe that they that they really walk through the mud. But I know you have because I've heard your story a few times and I've asked other people about it. So I've got this thing going on the other day and I, and I kind of talk about this topic and it it says, and I read, I read mostly and put this together, it says the strength of your organization isn't based on how many things you control, but on how many people you empower. I've got to believe in your organization that you can only do so much. How do you go through your days or your months and your production cycles empowering? Is this something you agree with? Or are you going to turn around and look at me and say, that's crazy, I, I do everything. Um, I can't believe that that's true, but if it is, I'll believe you. But I've got to believe that a guy like you has the ability to lead and then also lead and sell through other people. Well, I think you have to – I'm going to flip it on you. Uh -oh. I'm just a good coach. Okay. You know, to me, the coach is never out on the field executing the plays. So you have to put the right players on the field in the right positions and practice with them enough and train them enough that they can execute the play when the play matters the most. And – that's all about empowerment. So, you know, the number one thing I do is I'm, I always talk about it. I'm constantly, constantly, constantly recruiting, recruiting and recruiting and recruiting. And I'm one of the guys that I am, I'm probably a union guy's worst nightmare because I do not believe in seniority. I do not believe in the guy that has the longest tender on the job deserves a spot. I'm going to promote the best player on my team to the position no matter where they've been on the team a day or a year or six years. 
and I'm going to reward that player based on their production. So I'm not a deal where, you know, it's got to be all level set. I'm a results-driven guy, and if you produce results, you're going to make a lot of money. If you don't produce results, you're probably not going to play on my team very long. So that sounds harsh and cruel, but when I hire people, I tell them what the expectations are. And we're going to hold them accountable to those expectations. And like I said, I hear a lot that, hey, I'm working as hard as I know how to work. And I'm like, yeah, but if I'm not getting the results that I need, then that hard work's not good enough. So, you know, that's a harsh reality of what the business world's about because, you know, I have about, oh, we're probably up to about 280 employees now. And so I look at it that at 280 employees, if you times that by four, I'm responsible for somewhere around 1,200 lives with every decision I make. And I can't afford to let the other 1,200 lives down that I'm responsible to feed and house and clothe and school and all that kind of stuff with the decisions I make to keep the wrong guys on the field too long. And I think that's where a lot of business guys make the mistake. You know, change isn't change until there's change. Hoping people are going to change, loving them to change, wishing they're going to change doesn't matter. And I you brought that up earlier about people in marriage that said, hey, I think if I just love him, can change. Here's the problem. Your morals, your ethics, and your DNA as a man is probably set in stone at age 18. So if a girl starts dating a boy at 20 and she thinks that she can love him to change at you know 23 or 24, 25, that part of his life's not going to change. Can you make him you know, put the toilet seat down or up, yeah. You know, can you get him to throw his clothes in the hamper, yeah. But you're not going to change who he is. Right. It's already determined. Mm -hmm. And that's determined by the house he was brought up in, the father or mother that he had, and how and the type of person he wants to be. So I don't know that I have the right recipe. I sit down with them and I tell them what the expectations are, and then we try to manage to obtain those goals. I will say, though, I think those people can change, but they're the ones that have to change themselves. There's nothing that that you can do as an individual to change another person. Uh, but if that person purposes in their mind to change, I think that's where the true change actually happens. And that's why it's so important for you to seek out mentors, to find the kinds of people that are in the roles that you want to be in and emulate those people. I say a lot of times that success leaves clues. And if you look at uh, a lot of the things that Bob's talking about here, uh, you're going to hear um, some very common uh, values and common threads that goes through a lot of the things that uh, that he's talking about that's allowed him to get to the success that he's been able to achieve. And I think the crazy thing now is that some of the things that we're talking about seem harsh and they seem like unfair to people. Like you talk about only like promoting people not on tenure but based on a skill and achievement. I 100% agree with that. And the thing that I find is even some of the things that I do in my business that I feel like common sense. I feel like to you, that is common sense. I believe that because of the way that we're wired and the things that we try to do, um, it goes back to what the Bible says is we're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And that's why things are not, they're common sense to us, but they're not common sense to other people because what we've been programmed for and what we, what our purpose is created to be is to be the best version that we possibly can be. And, and to be as successful as we possibly can be. Because ultimately, because of that, then we can provide for those 1,200 families. Then we can be a blessing to others. And I think that's what God wants for us. But it's foreign to a lot of people because, again, they want the easy way out. They want the things just to be handed to them because they've been there for 10 years. Um, 
I don't want to be a person who has ten or one year of experience ten times. I want to be a person who has ten years of true experience. That means I'm seeking out education. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to do things uh, that I've you know out that are outside of my comfort zone, so that when that opportunity does come, I'm the guy that's the most qualified to do that because I've already been trying to do it. Well, it's really interesting because I'm I put a challenge out one time and said, hey, any self help book that you'll go buy and you'll read. And you'll come in my office and give me a quick, you know, synopsis of what you know, what was said in the book, what it meant to you, and how you can apply it to make yourself better. I'll refund you 100% of whatever you paid for that book or class or whatever it was. Wow. I threw that out, and up to this date, I've only had to pay a couple people because <laughs> it takes a lot of discipline or back to discipline right. that they'll read a self-help book. They'll go through it and try to really get out of it. It's like reading the Word. You know, I hear people say, well, I'll read the Word and I don't get it. Well, I will promise you, you keep reading it, you'll get it, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I start my day out every way, every morning that way. And I think you're right. People can change if they want to, but God can change them too. So they yeah. can get their life right with Christ. Every Anything is possible at that point. And, you know, that's where the real breakthrough comes through is when they get their life, you know, right. And I think that, you know, I look at the 1,200 people as a blessing that God's entrusted me to for me to be a good steward of and the businesses that we have. It wasn't anything that I did individually. I had a lot of great people that helped me. And, and you know, and I think that I allowed God to try to direct my steps and mm-hmm. to help me. And so, you know, I don't want anybody on this podcast to think that I think I'm smart or that I'm better than they are. Um, all I am is a, you know, high school graduate who's worked hard his entire life and tried to do the right things and do right by people and treat people the way I want to be treated. And there's people out there that, you know, that don't like me, Mm -hmm. uh, that I was brutal to, you know, coming through this, you know, transition of 30 years in business. Um, But if you don't want to work hard, don't hang out with me because you're not going to like me. I'm not good (laughs) with it. I'm just telling you. Uh, And there was a lot of people that worked alongside me this entire time that are still in my industry and are still being managers at, di- at different places. And people say, well, how'd you get past those guys? And I go, I don't know, because they were more talented than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like I outworked everybody, and I think God's favor uh, was on my life, and I tried to be tentative and listen. And uh, so, you know, once again, I, I think that all true success is only because of, you know, my Heavenly Father above, so. What you're talking about is stewardship, and, and I think that... Um, Whenever it kind of comes up there, I try to highlight it as much as I possibly can because we were talking earlier about like, you know, you have all these different locations, all these different employees. You're talking about the growth that you're going through right now. And like the the internal me is saying that you called it chaos. And to me, it sounds like chaos because it's so much to comprehend. At times, I could see where I could easily get stressed out by that. And for me, the, the, the release point where I was able to kind of take that burden off my shoulders and I realized it wasn't about me. It wasn't about the accomplishments that I had. I didn't really do any of it. I was in the right position and I was sensitive to uh, those opportunities as it came up. But when you are a, a steward, when you realize that God has given you everything, all the success that you have and, and, and that you are really there to do his work, I think it becomes less chaos and more just, all right, God, I've given this to you. What do you want me to do with it? And I think there's just so much... Uh, peace in that. And I, I'd love to kind of hear your story of 
when you truly came to that realization that you were more of a steward than it was your true success? Well, I mean, it's, it was really evident, in my opinion, when the Ford store came available in October of 2004 for me to buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me to pull that off, you know, me and my wife had to pull every penny, stock, bond, 401k, savings account, checking account, you know, mortgage your house to 125% value. The day we opened at the Ford store, I had $1,500 to my name left. And I'll never forget the night before my wife said, you know, what happens if this still doesn't work? And I looked at her and I, as calmly as I could, I'd say, we'll be living at the YMCA downtown. Because I mean, it's it's all on the line, (laughs) you know? And I was just so calm and peaceful about it because there was a lot of things that transitioned for that to come to pass, for that store to happen to me that I just felt like it was... It was meant to be. You know, there was many doors that got closed on me on that deal, and God opened every door back up. And what I see with people is, is there's never big reward without great risk. Mm-hmm. And most guys, I say guys just because I'm a guy, but so many people don't take those steps of faith because of fear. And, you know, that's the only thing the enemy has. I mean, he can't trip you. He can't, you know, brainwash you. All he can do is create fear. And that fear grips people, and they just get paralyzed with it, and they don't take advantage of the doors that God opens up because it looks like there's big risk. And that's just where faith is, has to come in and go that, you know, man, God did not give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a you know, spirit of sound mind, and he's going to provide. And you just have to walk through that deal in faith and, and just step out in faith and, and do it. And it's, it's like the tithe. You know, I think it's funny when you talk to people about the tithe, people ask me about it. And they're like, well, what do you think about it? I said, tithe is nothing but being obedient to what God's word says. Either you believe God's word or you don't. And I hear people say, well, I just can't afford to do it. Well, yeah, you can because that 10% is not yours anyway. (laughs) I mean, you give that 10% to God. It's not, and you do it cheerfully. I mean, my point being is if you can't tithe, then you're living in poverty. You know, you need to revamp your life and your budget to where you give that money to God. It's not yours. It's not about the money. It's about the obedience to God's word. That obedience takes discipline. And everything in life is about discipline. Adam and Eve, they didn't eat of the fruit because they weren't obedient. He gave them everything. The one thing they couldn't have, they disobeyed. And it started there. If you look at everybody that's ever made the things bad that happened to them, if you ask them, it's always about a decision that was made. And my question was, was it what God wanted them to do or was it a decision they made out of pride, arrogance, conceit, or from a lack of confidence, and or being disciplined in their decisions of what they were doing? Yeah. And so, you know, I get people talk about, hey, would you want to look at this business deal? Hey, would you want to look at that business deal? I don't look at a lot because, man, I'm good at one thing. <laughs> I mean, and so I don't do a lot of things outside of that because, you know, I'm not not a college-educated guy. I mean, man, I started busting ups when I was 19 years old. Yeah. Can I help you? You know, <laughs> in the market for a new used car or truck. I mean, that's kind of always been my pitch. And so when people ask me today what I do, I tell them I sell cars for a living because that's what I do. Yeah. And so, you know, I try to stay in my lane. And, uh, you know, and maybe that limits me sometimes. Uh, for other opportunities, but, you know, and I'm not going to get partnered up with people that I don't think that we're equally yoked with. You know, the word talks about it. And, you know, you're going to have to be a believer. You're going to have to believe in the same things I do for us to ever do anything together. So golly, I hope it's coming through, through to people that this is not, you know, 
these are my opinions. This is not what I'm telling you to do. You well, know, it's your you experience. have to do. You no, know, those are my experiences. I'm at. You know, experience. God. You know, God, God. I just feel tremendously blessed to be sitting here with you guys. It's an honor to be on your podcast and be asked to do it. Uh, it's an honor to serve Tulsa and their automotive needs, and uh, it's an honor to give God the glory and the praise on it, and think that you know maybe someday when I'm standing up there having to give an account for my life, He's going to be proud of what I did. So. Well, and that's, that is exactly why we want to have guys like you on the podcast, because I think a lot of times we, we as, as younger businessmen look at successful business guys like you and, and we just, we feel like you're unapproachable or you're so successful that you would never care to even uh, talk to a guy who's just getting started. And what I've been able to find through this podcast is that how willing some of these really successful guys are to share their side because I believe it, it really helps that next generation coming up. We're standing on the shoulders of giants uh, and we can use that to our advantage, but if we don't learn from them and, and take that uh, initiative to reach out to them, we won't be standing on their shoulders. We'll be starting from the ground floor just like they did. Imagine if we could tap in now, and that's what our, through YBT and through this podcast and everything else, that's our goal is to, is to make uh, make a connection between those people who are just getting started all the way to now. And there's a lot of people listening right now that are they're a little bit further along in their career. And they've, they've held on to that idea of whether it's fear holding them back, whether it's I'm not good enough, whatever mentality that's holding them back. They're listening to it and, and saying, you know what, I wish I'd done that then. I guess I tell you what, if you didn't do it, then now's the time to start because there is still a lot of opportunity out there and all you have to do is you have to take that step believe in yourself have the discipline to go out there and do it and, and push through so bob definitely thank you for sharing that side of it because that, that's exactly what we're trying to, to communicate here it's often enough bob that i'll ask somebody you know would they be interested in talking mm -hmm. and talking with us on the podcast and i'll ask a few questions and i didn't really ask you a ton of questions because i knew where you were, I knew what your heart was, and so this didn't concern me at all, but I asked someone recently, and Evan, you don't even know about this yet, I said, hey, I'm, Evan sits around and does nothing, and I'm responsible for getting everyone off, I'm, I'm kidding, I didn't do that. <laughs> you gotta throw in a few jokes, I was short, I'm short too. I, I got yeah, two yeah. more to go. All right, we're good, we're um, gonna hit your quota. Seriously, I, I asked him, hey, tell me a little bit about your business, because I really didn't know, I knew, hey, they were successful, mm -hmm. by, by the flesh, that's all I knew. Right. And I had heard that these people believed how I did, which is, I was like, I wanted to find out. And so I started asking a few questions and the answers I got were, well, I, I worked really hard from X and then I, and then I, and I was like, at first I was impressed. I was, yeah. I'm busy and I'm not thinking straight. And I'm like, oh, we got to get a guest. And this one would be, this one would be cool. Yeah. And I keep hearing this and I, and I, and I thought, this isn't what we're looking for. Right. You know, um, and success can happen that way. But sure it can. But it's unfulfilled. Oh, well, hey, the, the needle in the haystack. Look, look, guys, there are plenty of people in the world around us with tons of money, tons of success, pretty people on their arms and big houses and cars that don't believe the way we do. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, why? I don't know. You know, I have a lot of young entrepreneurs that say, Brian, I gave everything. I tithed. I, I prayed every day and my business failed. And ultimately, I feel terrible for them. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. There, there's other things at play. But there's plenty of people in our world that have everything by the flesh. Mm -hmm. But this person was saying I so much and I thought in my mind, no. So I appreciate Bob that everything is not I. It's not Bob. Bob's been right here telling us, look, 
part part of this is I don't know. Here's the things I did. Here's what I do. Here's the consistencies, and a lot of them have to do with my faith. And that's what I'm looking for, and I think that's what our listeners are looking for, Evan, is to know that consistent activity has to take place, guys. If you're listening to this right now, and you're working on your business, and you're not consistently doing the things that it takes to be where you want to be, don't be mad when you don't get there. Don't, don't be mad about that. But if you're doing those things, start, start listening to us every, every podcast when we're trying to talk to people about what's the other stuff. I love the tithing one. Tithing is important. People ask me all the time about tithing and what, what is my opinion. And we don't have time to go too far, but I'll tell you one thing I've always done, even when I was a bad kid or a good kid, I was tithing because I knew that that was from my upbringing. That was one of my connections back to the Lord is, is giving him his money back. Absolutely. Just like the conversations and the reading of the word. So even when I'm going through that weird time, you know, back when? Yes, I still tithe. Yeah. I still tithe. And we all make mistakes, guys. You're listening right now. If you're making mistakes, get with us. Uh, text Evan, text Matt, text me, email us. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the mistakes, and we're going to coach you on some of those things. I want to tell you, Bob, th- thanks for being someone worth imitating. Um, for, for some of us, and, and you alluded to that, Evan, when you mentioned, I get a little emotional, guys, about everything. I'm so passionate. It's Good Friday. <laughs> I love to fight. Um, I get passionate when I start talking about those types of things. Um, not all of us have leadership. Not all of us have a man in our life. You know, I don't, I don't know how to change a will. You know that, Evan. I don't know how to change no will. I have no one teaching me how to do that kind of stuff. I had to learn how to do that. And so when I get to meet men in business that are chasing some goals and dreams that I have, still chasing them, they're good dads, they're good husbands, they've made mistakes, and they can teach us from it. But then we can sit down and learn from them. That's exciting to me. So thank you, Bob, for being a man worth imitating. Thank you for making mistakes and learning from them and telling us about them. Like you mentioned, Evan, it's, you know, sometimes people are unapproachable. I don't know what you're talking about with Bob, though. I don't think he's unapproachable. Well, I haven't tried to approach Bob yet. So. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, for the guys that are truly successful, one of the greatest things that you can do is to help somebody, yeah. you know, improve themselves. You know, I tell people all the time that, you know, if it was just about me, I mean, I could sell the store and retire. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I love it when, you know, a guy comes to work. You know, I've got multiple stories about guys that started out as lot porters detailing cars and moving cars around that, you know, they started watching salesmen going, these guys aren't that smart. You know, they, you know, I could do that. And they sell cars, and then all of a sudden now they're managers, and now yeah. they're F&I guys. And, you know, you know, the thing that touches my heart is to get to watch guys, you know, sell their 1,200-square-foot house and buy a 2,500-square-foot house. Yeah. I love it when they take their kids out of public schools and put them in private schools. I love it when they buy their spouses new cars. That touches my heart that we're benefiting people, you know. And, and you know, I just feel like if I can, if I can help everybody around me achieve their goals – and their dreams, then I'm going to be fulfilled, you know? And I think that that's the big case. And, you know, back to this tie deal, you know, I had lunch with a very successful business guy here in town. It was interesting because he wanted to have lunch and I didn't know what it was for. And we got there and he wanted to talk about the tie that was on his heart. Yeah. And he's like, Bob, do you know how much money that would be? <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, it's a lot. And he's going, no, no, no. Do you really, I mean, do you really conscious do it? And I go, yeah, I get my statement at the end of every year. It's a lot. Yeah. And he just looked at me and I was like, and he goes, well, I give to this organization. I give to that organization. I said, that's not what the word says. Yeah. That's giving. It's uh-huh. not tithing. I said, there's two different deals. Giving's not tithing. 
And so we had a light, nice lunch about it. But, you know, people get tripped up on what the dollar amount is. It's not. It's 10%. And it doesn't matter if it's 10% of 100 or 10% of 100 million. It's 10%. So, you know, I think that, you know, we have to get out of our own way and give God, a, you know, give him the opportunity. And, and you guys are talking about rap, so I'll be, I guess I'll be the girl in the podcast because, you know, one of my favorite songs is, you know, as a Christian was when Carrie Underwood sang Jesus Take the Wheel. You know, yeah. when you just throw up your hands and you're just done and you think your <laughs> life's over with, you know, Jesus Take the Wheel. And it just is a cool deal whether you like her or not or the music or not or the genre or not. It's really true. Mm-hmm. When we get out of our way, God can do amazing things. Sometimes we just keep it blocked down so tight that, you know, yeah. He's not gonna he's not gonna knock down barriers to help you. Yeah. Well I don't know if you heard what I heard, but Bob said he was selling the store. And everyone knows if everyone knows me, I've always wanted to be in the car business. <laughs> no, I be. said if it was uh, if it was just oh, me. Right, I didn't say right. I was selling it. That's not at all what I said. All right, I've edited all that out. I'm pretty sure he's uh, gonna make you read a pretty big check. Yeah, yeah. yeah. retiring on that. Here's the deal. I've always you know, everyone's got their thing. Like that one hobby, that one thing. You know, everyone that knows Brian Smith knows that he could sell some cars. I'm going to get on the radio, though, and I'm going to tell everyone to come down to Bob Hurley, whatever it is, and buy a car. And I'm going to see if I can even float. I want to see, can I sell as many units as the, as the man or the woman there? Whoever, whoever that is, I want to see if I can walk in and move units off that dealership floor, and we're going to do something with that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, Bob, Bob, you tell me if I'm wrong here. You will sell as many cars as, as the, people as, that come, as, right? As, as the people that come. As the best person out there if you care about them and what they're looking for and put them first over what you're trying to sell. I sold more stuff in retail when it was less about what my budget was and what I thought I could afford when I realized that it's really about asking that customer, listening to them, finding out what they need and putting the best solution in front of them. Because when they knew that I cared about them, they knew that I, I was... Uh, really uh, interested in helping them, the price got out of the way. And I believe that's where the sales Huh, we're talking about another biblical perspective called servant, being a good servant. Yeah, Yeah, bit. just serve people. We talk about that all the time. It's kind of one of those things I talk about. Just be a good servant. Yeah. People will buy it if we just serve them. You know, and I think that's one of the things that being courteous and professional and just being a great servant to people, you know, just takes all the, like you said, pressure out of the buy. They want, when you can they just want to be buy. genuine. They're there. Just it's be not, genuine. People don't just go to a car lot to, like, it's not like going to the mall on a rainy Saturday. Like, people are going to buy a car. So if if, if, they do. if, if you create that opportunity for them and take care of them, we're, we're going to put I on a show. Those sales gonna, I'm not a sales guy. I'm not yeah. a car guy. Though. Well, we're going to put on a show. I, I want to do that. I want to do something. The, the right. Brian Smith, Sunday, I'm gonna Sunday only. Get, well, we're going to have to get Bob's permission. But I want to come test my sales. I do what you do. I like what you said about that, Evan. When we start talking about... People in my business, and I know we're going to wrap up here, but people in my business are well known for trying to sell something to somebody that they have not yet asked can they afford it. And what they do is they flip a piece of paper over and they want to make you laugh and cry and draw emotion out of you to tie you to this purchase. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't do it that way. I, uh, my office sells more of nearly all these products than anybody, but we don't do it that way. We do not sell. I'm going to ask you, Evan, you understand you need it. Here are the reasons, and you're telling me this. Now let's talk about what can you afford. I'm not trying to get your lights turned off. I'm not trying to take away the money to feed your kids. What I want to know is let's get what you want if you can afford it, and if you can't, let's pivot to something that 
meets well, that some goes, of that. Well, that goes back need. to list, like really identifying what, what their needs are because their needs are going to dictate a lot of that conversation for you. But no, I, I'll agree. I mean, budget will come into play, but I think budget is overcome easily by value and it's overcome easily by all the other things. Yeah. But well, hey, man. That was a little bit of a rabbit trail right there. Well, <laughs> yeah. well you got to get off on one every once in a while. And, and, you know, it is what it is. We've got everyone listening. They want to hear about the things we're talking about. I get messages every day. They love the conversations. They love the genuineness. And they love the transparency of the guests we're having. So I think we're going the right direction. Um, Bob, thanks for coming today. Thanks for, again, being someone worth imitating in, in, in town and, and in our lives. Evan, you got anything before we... Just one thing I want to add real quick is that uh, to communicate with us, we, we actually set up an email address so that we could actually get questions, feedback, anything like that for the podcast. So it's podcast at ybtok.com. So if there's guests that you'd like to hear from or you know a potential guest, we're always looking for great guests to come on the podcast. Uh, if you want to continue some of the conversation that we've had, uh, I'd love to get to a point where we have a, a Q&A where it's, uh, you know, you, me, and a couple other people, we get a little panel going and, and do a podcast that way. So this is just another step forward to creating more of those opportunities. You know, we're, we're putting out there what we think you guys want to hear, but uh, we'd love to hear back from you and uh, and, and actually hear uh, some of the feedback that you have. So make sure you like the podcast on iTunes, subscribe. We're on Stitcher Radio now, so you can find us on Stitcher if you have an Android phone. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.